For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Determination comes in many forms, but always starts with the Dunkin' Run. So take your medium or larger coffee in one hand and grab a dollar donut in the other. No matter how you run, Dunkin' Run. A one dollar donut with any medium or larger coffee. Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Term supply. Hey, what's you doing? How you doing? It's Amar Green, your host to All My Block Podcast, Green Bay Packer Podcast. By myself and my good friend and former teammate Mike Wall. Mike, man, how you doing? I'm doing great, brother. All right, I'm on daddy daycare right now. I got our grandpa daycare. I got my little one right here. Oh, yeah? Good. <laughs> That's pretty, hey, we need some expert opinion this week. <laughs> hey, the way it's going with high, with some of these, we'll talk about hirings later, but you're right, man. Some of these hirings and, and in the football this week it was interesting. So I'll say this, AG. I'll say this. In the last six games, Right. I've and are we bet point spreads? I've been 0 for six. No, yeah, sorry, I, one, I was one. In, I was one in five because the Rams is three and a half. They won by three. There you go, uh, and that's why I don't mess around with that. None of the betting. Like I bet on a sure thing when I know okay it's a blowout. I'll win my fifty dollars and be happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm the I'm the I'm literally the human condition that insists on like using uh, rooting for the underdog. Yeah, I do that. Down at the time, right? So, and right. I vote with my heart. Like, it's just it feels so stupid. And, and that's kind of like me, though. That's why I don't bet. <laughs> I vote with my yeah. heart. I go with my, you know. I'm like, that's why I don't mess around with that. But we had some crazy games between, you know, Bengals and Chiefs, uh, 49ers, Rams, and so we'll start off here with the Chiefs. And and I'm just like, and I saw plays where Pat Mahomes was doing a little too much. Like he, he was trying to make something happen when sometimes that's a good player. You got to realize, okay, the defense has me or has us on this play. Throw it away. Take the sack. Protect the ball. But he was trying to be that cheat code that he was when he first got in the league. You know, and we talk about cheat codes for other players later in this uh, podcast. So, so yeah, that was my first observation. It's like, no, don't. You know better. You're smarter than that. 
You're a better athlete, and why are you, you just trying to make that extra effort play? Dude, it, and it's one of those things where they're up 21-3. Yep. I mean, this is, what, this is why we love football, though, honestly. Because you and I don't have any emotional connection to this game whatsoever, really. Right. So we just watch the games. You know, who cares, right? So yep. you watch the game. They're up 21-3, to and you're like, man, this team is unstoppable. They're amazing. And then he makes that mistake with five seconds left to not, not dump the ball. He throws it, inexplicably throws it to Tyreek Kill. He's covered by two guys. They get tackled. So instead of being up 24 or 28 to 3, now they go in. Then they don't, then they don't come out the next the next uh first series of the second half swinging. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's gonna happen again. And right. you're right, man. It's like Patrick Mahomes in the beginning of the year was trying to take those big shots, and then they became a more efficient offense. And they were taking it's like more plays to get, or excuse me, not a more efficient offense. They, they were willing to play small ball. Like it, right. it was taking more plays to score touchdowns, but they were all of a sudden they were doing well again. And then yesterday, just kind of like in the second half, and what was what was nuts for me is if you watch the first half, they spent a lot of money and draft picks and whatnot on Orlando Brand Jr. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. then he, I know he made the Pro Bowl and everything. This this goes to show you like how ridiculous that is. Trey Hendrickson was beating the brakes off that dude all day. But Mahomes was getting rid of the ball in the first right. half. But watch, go watch the tape again. That dude was eaten all day in the first half, and then it just all they did is the te- the, the the Bengals defense they switched to a little more zone so they could play up on the line of scrimmage a little bit more. Right, yep. so play like a two deep shell, yep. a couple fire zones here and there. But guys that were getting off their blocks in the first half started getting home in the second half, and dude, Pat Mahomes was. Like he he did that little that little pirouette deal in the yeah. first half and made that play. It, it made but it work. Like, that works. That works once, right? That did, yeah. Usually, when you watch that, you see it a second time. It's like we might have some problems here. So yeah, well, it, the it second was, time he got sacked. Second time yeah. he got sacked. Third time he got sacked. But yeah, and the fumble. momentum of the game, though, it was like every, not just Mahomes. Everybody on offense just seems flustered and down and deflated after they missed on Tyree Kill's play with, with five seconds left in the second quarter. Right. You know, and like I say, then uh, watching Joe Burrow, and I say going with momentum in the game, and we saw the momentum change, obviously, with the, you know, with that second half, you know, coming in kind of slow, kind of dead for, and then the momentum, like I said, the momentum goes to the Bengals. Um, but then there's Joe Burrow. <laughs> And I'm watching him. I don't know if you can hear over the baby talk. Um, watching him, like you, and you mentioned it. He is somebody that obviously getting sacked. I think he realized, you know what, it's just part of the job because that's how he was taking it. He's like, you know what, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna get hit, I'm gonna get beat up, but that's I expect that. And I don't think a quarterback should not have that mindset. But when you see that, are you since the quarterback does have that mindset in Joe Burrow? It's a problem for the opposing team because then he doesn't get rattled. He doesn't get flushed because the guy that does get rattled that is uh, obviously has more experience. I won't say better at the time, but has more experience is Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady, we all knew when he got off his point, when you got in his sack, you got him sacked, then it was a problem Then for him. And then the yeah. opposing team could then unleash, you know, we saw it in Super Bowls and stuff like that down the line. So you know. This guy's got, and we talk about being a cheat code, man, but like he's – like to me, Joe Burrow is something that he might wreck through the idea of like every every foundational truth that that is that is right in this league, mm-hmm. quarterback play and what matters and what doesn't. He might break it because he's he's running an effective offense, getting yes. pressured, sacked, 
hit and everyone like like yesterday. I know they only had like one sack. Dude, Chris Jones was in the backfield pretty much every play. He was he and, was sleeping in the backfield. He was and, and the evasiveness, the him, his ability to make plays off schedule, his ability to use his legs, like he's sneaky yep. athletic. I don't know that I've ever seen a team have success when they're that inefficient on offense. Like they like like put it this way, we were talking earlier. If they had any other quarterback running that offense with those play calls, that offensive line. They would have to fire that entire. They, they wouldn't certainly wouldn't be in the AFC Championship. No. They would have had to. They would have had to have fired everybody on their offensive staff for the head coach not to get fired. Yeah, I mean, they, were, like, they, they were the worst team in the league two years ago. Yeah, they were four and eleven and one last year. And then this guy is just like, I don't care how many times I get hit, just keep calling the same plays. I'll take it. I can. I can. I can fix it. I can fix it. And he's the first guy we've ever seen that can just. And they just believe in it, man. And like everybody starts playing a little bit better. Yeah. Like, it's just amazing. He's so mentally tough. Like, I don't think we've seen a guy that has the mental toughness that he brings to the table, except for the GOAT, man. Like, I don't want to compare him to Tom Brady, but who else are you going to compare him to? Right now, as at this far, moment, as correct, far as what, yeah. he's, as what he's bringing to the table right now, this is he's completely changed how I even perceive football right now. This is insane. Yeah, it's, it was something I know for me, and I don't know if you've probably done this to yourself before every game when we played. I know for me, it was like this. I'm a running back, and I'm going to get hit 100% of the time. Get over it, Amon. That was my mindset. Because, you know, people like football is too physical or, man, like because we knew players that we played with or against. They were like, man, this is this is for the birds. I'm making, I mean, I'm making sure I'm going to make it out of safe. Try to hopefully I'm healthy at the end yeah. of my career. And But I'm like, bro, this is football. I'm like, so – don't get mad as people chip you, push you in the back, make you fall, trip, you know, kick you in the gut when you're on the ground. It's a physical sport. It's, you know, so what's your problem? Why are yeah. you out here? You know, I'm, I've run into guys. I remember in little from Little League on up. I'm on. What's wrong with you, man? Why you hit like you hit? I'm like, well, it's physical. <laughs> and I think that's the that's the mindset Joe Burrow has. But also I'm like, I wonder sitting in meetings. Do they are Zach is Zach the head coach is like, hey, this is what we got for O line. <laughs> you, you might have so to. I've do seen this, I've seen this happen in Miami. Like this, right. like this happened in Miami, and it was Tannehill. And like you can't, like, not every quarterback, not, I know other quarterback, can just sit there. And it's not that he's like Lamar Jackson's more elusive, like he can run for more yards. But right. it's like, like Patrick McHolmes is elusive too. But we saw who a lot of people think is the best talent in football in Patrick Mahomes yesterday. We saw the way that pressure affected Patrick Mahomes in the second half. Exactly. And then we saw this guy, dude, he doesn't even have a pulse. Like it's no. like, it's, ins- it's, it's absolutely, it's just so it's mind blowing. And it's not just about when we talk about mental toughness, like mm-hmm. we can talk about situational football. Like this guy is willing to just, take what you can give. And that's kind of why I think about him and I think about Tom Brady in the same light. One thing that I always respected so much about Tom Brady is that like Tom Brady will take a 15 play drive all day. He doesn't care. You all throw check downs. Like they invented New England. They invented the wide receiver screen. You know what I mean? Pretty much. Like Wes Welker and all those guys. They'll they'll take those 15 play drives. And Joe Burrow's like, no problem. I'll take five yard check downs all day, man, until you give me what I want. And I know exactly where I'm going. And when that hit, when number one is, is singled up, you can oh. guarantee he's catching. I mean, 
Yeah, I'm eating with him. That's what he's saying to everybody on the defensive side. Um, he didn't do a whole lot, but he did. He got some catches in in terms of we're talking about Jamar Chase. He was able to get you know open a few times at times, obviously when he needed, um, when his quarterback needed him to get open and make the catch. Um, and then like for Burrow, I mean the run game and the Dixon, you know, doing his thing was able to run the ball efficiently. You know, which obviously then creates another problem for the Chiefs defense. We're like, okay, we got a guy in the quarterback position that doesn't care about getting sacked. He's going to still throw the ball. He's going to still run the offense. But then now the run game woke up a little bit. It was just enough there for the run game to make the whole offense for the Bengals, you know, stay in the game. Basically, along with P. Ryan. P. Ryan had the wide running back screen that basically got him going and get a score on the board before halftime to bring it 21 to 10. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, even then, I was still doubtful. I was like, it's only first half, still a lot of football left. But then when I saw, like you said, the mistakes, like the one interception that Pat Mahomes throw. You're talking. You're talking about the third quarter. They got twenty oh, the, in the third quarter. Right, thirty yeah. yeah. Right, and but the interception to the D lineman. When you have two D linemen there, I'm like, come on, Pat. Like, if I'm a coach, I'm like, Pat, come on. You have two D linemen, and these are athletes. These are not just. D lineman from the high school level or little league that if you throw the ball at him, it's gonna catch him and hit to hit the ground. No, these are guys that are gonna catch basically catch like he said, he pat the ball, put to himself, caught it, mm-hmm. and then boom, it's an interception. AG, so. what about the I mean, you just look at again to contrast the MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl winner with mm-hmm. the second year player. What about the sack fumble where Joe Thune picks up the ball, luckily, and it saves their season? Right. So he gets it, right. They, he had the ball in like fourth and what, it was the first and goal, and they ended up on like yeah. the twenty-something yard line because he's giving up these sacks running around the backfield. It's just like it's one of those deals where when it happens, here's what happened. This is the NFL now too. When yeah. he does that and they score to Travis Kelsey in the back of the end zone, or they hit that, I think the first one he hit uh, Tyree Kill in the back of the end zone. It was Tyree run. first and in Chad. Right. And then yeah. Travis. Everyone goes, oh, they're amazing. And then the next four times he does it. He has sacks, throwaways, fumbles. It's all bad, and everyone's like, "Oh, what is he doing?" It's like, dude, you can't have it both ways. No, right? As 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 fans, as you know, people who just love the sport, like you can't have it both ways. And with Mahomes, it was just like he's okay. So he's had four AFC championships in a row. Mm-hmm. Went two, lost two. Super Bowls, two. Won two, lost two. Mm-hmm. And I now you start going like. I wonder if he, given how he played in the second half, that was very Aaron Rodgers Packers versus Niners game, right? Correct. So you just kind of wonder, like, because he's so talented and they're so good and they did such amazing things the week before that you just go, okay, are we just going to say hats off to Lou Anaramo and the defensive unit for the for, for the, the Bengals, Bengals. For, for making some subtle adjustments, but really for that defensive, honestly, for that defensive line for getting on. Hubbard and, and Hendrickson in particular just getting starting to get home really bad on those tackles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just they just feel like the Chiefs just feel like they panic and they don't seem like the kind of team that should be panicking, especially in that right. time they get the ball after what happened last week. It just it was just very perplexing, man. There's no way they should have. It's another one of those games where you go, dude. There's no way they should have lost that game. Exactly, and let's just talk about overtime. Okay, first three plays when the run game is is working. Edwards Allaire is running the ball. Yep. Um, the kid McKinney that was in Minnesota is now here, or is, is picking up yards, three, four yards of pop. First series, first three plays of the series in overtime, all passes. And you got Eric B. Enemy, who is a former running back. And I'm like, 
You got 14. You got a whole quarter. Right. Three timeouts. To me, it's like regular game plan. Just run, pass, run, pass, run, pass. Don't even need the deep ball right away. Let's get into the 20-yard line. Then we create a problem for the Cincy defense. But they just gave it to them by saying, you know what, we're trying to win right now. On three plays, and this is how I'm seeing it, on three plays, trying to throw it to Ch- uh, Travis, and then finally Tyreek gets to pick, you know, the ball yeah. to him, gets the, padded off, um, deflected, and then the safety catches it. And I'm like, you got three plays. The first three plays is not a run in them to at least get your first down. Because I remember when we had our, you know, we were out there, is get the get the first first down. Right. If we if we're if we're in a game winning drive, let's get the first first down. Then everything gets moving. If we got a run pass pass run run run, get that first first down, and then boom, the offense is like okay. Everybody in the offensive huddle is like good. We got a first down. This is this is a good this is a good step. As a coordinator. In terms of B enemy and the head coach Andy Reid, they've been around long enough, just as well as we have, to say, let's do that. Let's get the ball. Let's get that first first down, and then we'll see what they're. They, they, I mean, we got the Bengals defense backs against the wall. They got a basic. Everybody knew when that coin flipped and it mm-hmm. said Chiefs ball. Everybody's like, prop bets going Chiefs winning. <laughs> you know yeah. that's that was happened on that coin. Even Joe Burrow admitted it in the press after the game. He said. When that toy, he said, I thought, I was like, this might be game over. And he's just being real and honest because it was because of what they've done, obviously, when they actually pick apart a team and go down the field methodically, play the offense without the mistakes. And I'm just saying, so that was more on the coaching staff than actually Pat Mahomes in terms of the play calling. But the, obviously the execution is on Pat and the offense. But the, just the play calling, to set your players up for success, that was one series that was not it. That was actually setting them up more just to rush the ball and not really realize that you have 15 minutes to take the clock down, drive down the field. Even if at worst case, they stop you in red zone, kick a field goal. Cause then now defense got to step up. I take those odds better than going, trying to just go three plays past 10 yards or more when you don't even have to do that. It was like, that was, so that part it's, was interesting to me. It's so hard because when they, so they, they go down to, to tie with the field goal and they get down there. Basically, they just play catch with Kelsey to get down there, right? More or less. Right. And and then he, but then they do have the first and goal, and they 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 should have scored a touchdown, and they, they get backed up, and all these things happen. And so, like for me, I just you put yourself in the position of, of a player and a coach. There, you go. Okay, well, do we feel like we have momentum right now or not? Because we did get right. all the way down there, throwing the ball. Then we we ran the ball a couple times, got sacked a couple times. Like all these bad things happened, got pushed back. So do we feel like we're lucky to be here right now, or are we pissed off that we didn't score the touchdown? Like, what's what? How, like, how do we feel in this game? Because we just literally got the ball back immediately, right? Right. So, but it always goes back to this: you think you have the best quarterback of this generation in your backfield. You want to make these plays and sail a couple balls. I don't know if the if the Tyree kill ball is. You know, is it tipped? How's that work? But it was double coverage. It was double Obviously, coverage. Also, let's just, let's yeah, just start yeah. there first. It's double yeah, coverage. It's, yeah, it's it's this it's the same Devonte Adams pass in the playoffs where you go. I know you're going to your best player, but damn man, there's got to be somebody else there. He's such a good player. It's like it's so hard to it's so hard to 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 get on him because he does such amazing things. But it just when when a second year quarterback is looks like Neo from the Matrix, dude. Like every every you know in the second half of the game and he's showing you up as Pat Mahomes. It's, 
my hat's off more to Joe Burrow because no. I think to me they've you know I think Zach Taylor, congratulations on to you and your staff to get them to believe that they could be in this position. But when I look at when I again when we look at the sacks, we look at the offense, when when we, we look at the team makeup, it's like Joe Burrow. I don't think I've ever seen a team in football because football is the ultimate team sport. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a team more singularly affected by one dude, or maybe if you want to go to him and Jamar Chase, just like the belief, like, oh man, we like, can do this. We, we we can we can win a Super Bowl with these two guys. Like, not in five years. Like now, they think it, it's. I've literally, like I said, they 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 have changed like what what makes sense to me. We'll get into it later, but like they've changed with common sense in, in the NFL to me. No, for sure. Like Burrow's background, I know he has the ties back to Nebraska. His dad or somebody was on the coaching staff right before I got there as a freshman, like in the okay. early night in the mid nineties. So I know he has that somebody that coached along with Coach Osborne kind of took his mythology of coaching and understanding basically and he was in and, and I, I don't know if i mentioned you but coach osborne he was a mental guy he would yeah. get in our heads and have us breathing fire before was a he, game you thought he was a torture was that <laughs> you know i thought you were gonna say he tortured he got into our heads <laughs> no yeah well no <laughs> in other ways in good ways but yeah. i'm saying i was gonna say this then we can move on to this next topic um he would get into our heads pre-game do us his talk, prep talk for the game, have us breathing fire without saying one cuss word, without degrading the other team, without putting the other coach down, nothing negative. It was all positive, and we were, like, ready to go. So Burrow's dad or a family member learning from a guy like that, they call him Dr. Time. I think he has, a obviously, sports man or sports psychology degree for sure. So, yeah, just coming from that, having that background in him, um, and then being, a, I think his dad was a scout too for the NFL and for teams around the NFL and college football too. So he's been around certain folks, you know, and as a kid growing up. And so that, that kind of another layer that entails that pocket uh, awareness and just team awareness, you know, getting beat up. is like, you know, what, what up? this is just like rain in the Bahamas is going to happen. So what's you're, up? you're talking about, you're also talking about the details of the sport that are so important to us that we don't spend enough time on. Like we, you know, exactly. like you and I have this conversation all the time. This is why yep. I talk with athletes about all the time is, is we don't, we're not the best at the basics anymore. And like Tom Brady, again, I'll, I'll, I'll use that, that comparison and, you mm -hmm. know, in a, a very, very lightly compare those two, but these guys are really, really good at the basics of the sport. And for a guy like Burrow, that's probably more of just like, his football intelligence, because he hasn't been able to rely on this like outstanding athleticism that some of these other guys have, even though he was mm -hmm. first pick and everything. Like his his football intelligence is off the charts, man. And his yeah. like he throws his footwork's great, throws great balls. He's more sneaky athletic and everything. But you can just tell like the 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 trip here was a little bit more of a struggle for him, and he's had to pick up more details and pick up more tricks of the trade. Then maybe some of these other guys who come out early that we have high expectations for because right. of arm strength, because of tangibles. This guy's a little bit different, man. He doesn't – nobody's saying he's the fastest, the strong. He might damn well be the smartest, though, and he's definitely the best under pressure. Definitely. Super impressive, I, man. I Super agree impressive. to both. I agree to both because going into talking about his barrel the next time, and I compare that – I say yeah, I would say yes because he it just – he's got it to – he's got to his point of, I would say, success a lot sooner. Because Brady was in the offense for the Patriots offense for about what three years before Bledsoe got hurt, 
No, no. So, so Brady, Brady won his second year. So th- this is the crazy okay. thing. If Burrow wins, so you think about Brady won his second year. Okay. I want to see Pete, Pete Carroll, and Russell won their second yep. year. Yep. There's, I think, you know, there's, there's something. There's a, there's a stat where like, if you win your second year, you become a dynasty because blah 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 blah, right? Because you coaching staff gets new contracts and everything. But yeah, yeah there's, there, there's some, there's some, there's some similarities here. Right. And so with that being said, okay, now you know, thanks for the correction. I got it. So, but still. What I see in him is that um, is that like you may, we you already talked we've been talking about it for the last twenty minutes uh, the confidence and now he's so young I mean he's a little bit younger than Brady was so I know that much and so now his talent is definitely obviously his mind and then his arm and he uh, now he just got to then every year over year if it's Zach if it's the quarterback coach there in Cincy teach him every little thing about being a quarterback, you know, in terms of the X's and O's, reading coverages, knowing pre-snap right, right away, okay, I'm going to this guy. Don't think about nobody else. You know, because I remember one time it was during uh, the Patriots run and I heard a little clip about how some of the um, player meetings, quarterback meetings went for the Patriots in terms of game planning. And they had so many backup quarterbacks that were once starters that was on that uh, quarterback, in that quarterback's room at one time. So what they would do was take, you know, we'll say to a quarterback, what's your favorite throw? We'll we'll put that in the game plan. What's the favorite? What's your favorite throw? You want the slant? You want the comeback? All right. So Thomas say, you know, for example, oh, I like the slant route. I like to throw that. Okay. That's a five-yard route, six-yard route. And then um, I think it was Brock Heward's brother uh, was in there. He said, all right, I like the comeback. All right, we're going to design. So the next go, first game plan is the whatever we have designed for Tom. The next one is for Hewer, but we, but Tom is going to use it. We're going to switch to Hewer. Then it was like two more quarterbacks. Oh, I like to throw. I like to throw the screen passes, and then I like the deep ball. So you have four game plans for one quarterback. So that's where Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, obviously Josh McDaniels, who we'll talk about later, all look like geniuses because they're changing the same you know game plan, like replacing a whole game plan, but one guy is running it. It was Tom, and then so get into a level with that with this Burrow kid with Joe. It's going to be interesting, you know, hopefully later down the line to for Cincinnati, for Cincy fans coming down for them. Like I said, it's been 30 something years. I remember watching a game uh, when the 49ers played the Bengals way back in 1988. <laughs> I was 12 years old. I was 11 years old when I watched that game. So just think about that in terms of what, they, what could potentially be moving forward with this kid and his mental mindset of playing, playing the quarterback position. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. And I've well yeah. said. Yep. So, all right. So it's we a, go to the, and and I agree with your first line here for the Rams game. It says this I game was a return to the mean game for me. Me too. I was like, yeah. ooh, I'm like they hitting. They are hitting out here. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a physical aspect to it, and certainly this was going to be a trench game because of because of the the personalities that they have on for you know for San Francisco. Certainly both sides of the football. Uh, and then obviously Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and all those guys on the defensive line for the for the Rams. But I also kind of looked at that like they've had this great run. Jimmy Garoppolo is averaging like less than 200 yards passing a game in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and 
the 49ers, like, they had to play defense. They had to run the football. And the one thing that they probably didn't want to do, and I, I don't want to beat up on Jimmy G because everybody else can do that. But they, if you're looking at the Rams, it's like, let's just make sure Jimmy has to beat us, right? Let's, let's right. stop the run. And right. the announcers are talking yesterday about how they don't, he doesn't have any sacks and Aaron Donald has Dude, watch the line of scrimmage. The line of scrimmage was being won by the Rams' defensive line and linebackers. They, the Niners could not run the ball, particularly in the second half, like they wanted to. And that was the difference in the game because when it came down to it, when they came back, because you knew Stafford and that offense was going to put some points on the board eventually, when they came back from the 10-point deficit, mm-hmm. Jimmy G had two chances to go out there and win the game. And I, I shouldn't say Jimmy G and the 49ers <clears throat> offense had chances to win the game. And they were put in a situation that they're not comfortable with because they couldn't run the football. And it ended up biting them. And there's a, there's like a crazy stat, A.G., when you talk about Shanahan and the games that he's lost in the, in the playoffs. Talking about Kyle like, Shanahan? Talking about Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Like the amount of points they've been outscored by in the second half of games, dude. Like, mm. cumulatively, it's like 60, 70 to very, very little. Mm. And it's just one of those things. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, for whatever reason, they get into the second half of these games and it's like, it's like who's on first a little bit. Like, who, who's going to be the guy? And Debo Samuel – doesn't touch the ball no. for the last ten and a half minutes of that game. Like, are you that don't make sense. What is crying on the damn on the sidelines of the other games? Like, dude, he's the best player on the field. Like, what are we doing? It was, <clears throat> right. It, it was as good as a coaching staff as they have, and as good as they've done to get to this point. Gum and Greek beat the Green Bay Packers. Like, beat right. the Rams in the regular season finale. Like, they have done such a good job. They're the team that I was rooting for because they beat the Packers, and it's like. Me well, too. If you're going to lose, like might as well lose to the guys who win the you know the NFC championship. I'm there, I'm there with you. It was it was kind of it was very perplexing at the end of the you know as the game closed down. Why are we not putting the ball in the best player's hands? Why are we why are we allowing the game to be decided by our quarterback when maybe we should rely on that offensive line running game or somehow get the ball to Debo's hands and see what happens? Like I would Mm -hmm. take my shots there, but again, you know, hats off to the Rams. Having said all that. No, for sure. Hats off to the Rams and the defense and the, I say just the hit quality of the game for both sides of the ball. But I think sometimes coaches get to the point where they're overthinking um, because it's so it's the moment and leaving a guy out of the, the mix in terms of Debo Samuels and terms of Kyle Shanahan and knowing what they did to get there uh, just was probably overlooked because he's looking at where the situation is, what the, the clock, the time on the clock and then feeling that pressure. As we yeah. know, pressure breaks pipes. So when you're not ready for that pressure or you're unexpecting to it, like you knew it was coming, but you're like, oh, my God, it's here. And then you're looking at the play sheet. All right. Um, what's my third and 15 plays? What's my one, you know, first and medium? When you start, when it's the, when it's when you're in that moment, sometimes you don't even have to. You shouldn't even have to look for it. You're like, all right, I know what I'm doing. I know exactly play call I need right now because I want to keep the same thing that got us here going. You know, along with the play action, heavy um, off, heavy run offense to get the ball up the field and to just keep sending the message that we're going to be physical until this game is over. So, yeah. yeah the, the, <clears throat> listen, hats off. You, you come back from a big deficit in the fourth quarter. You know, Stafford. Listen, they the Niners could have ended the game with it. Was it Pratt's? He oh, the interception. The, he drops yeah, the dime piece, right? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. there's there's mistakes on both sides of this game, but next play. 
he hits he hits uh, OBJ down the sideline for for like thirty five yards plus a fifteen yard penalty. Yep, because they hit hidden. Right, they go down yeah. and they they go down and they score. Put the ball. Put essentially put the game in Aaron Donald and Von Miller's hands and say, Jalen, don't not forget Jalen Ramsey, although he dropped the pick too. Right. Um, you know, but you start going Stafford for all of the people out there who you know want to doubt him. It looks like he came to play. right now. Man, the Lions are a really bad organization because this guy had this guy had nothing. He had, it was over three in the playoffs after like 10, 12 years. And he's going to the Super Bowl. One year removed right. from the Lions. This dude's going to the Super Bowl. And right. you gotta feel happy for him, man, because he was stuck in football purgatory forever. And I know we're Packers guys and everything, but still, man, it's like you and I know how lucky we are as players to have gone to situations where we could we could blossom and develop and grow, yes. right? Yes. And, and I, I when I've worked with other teams and consulted with other teams, sometimes you just sit and go, go, dude, you don't know how unfortunate it is that you got drafted by a program who doesn't know how to develop talent. It is a damn shame because there's a lot of good players that get caught in these situations. And and Stafford, he had over 300 yards yesterday. Did he have a perfect game? Absolutely not. No. When it mattered in the fourth quarter, did you see a guy that is a, you know, a championship caliber quarterback? Yep. Sure yeah, did. man. Yeah. It looks like, like, it looks to me like all the question marks and everything. Sean McVay is like, yeah, I'm still the smartest dude around. Like this was this, I told you all, this was a good move. Right. And, uh, they're, they're good. Yeah, it was uh, – so, yeah, definitely happy for Stafford coming from where he'd been. And I, and it just – obviously, you pose that the big world question. Okay, what about if Barry would have went to the 49ers or, oh to the, or the Cowboys or or Megatron would have went to the Packers or, this, or, the, or the Patriots, you know, what they could have done for their career. They're still Hall of Fame. It just shows you how good they were in all that situation. Yeah. They're still NFL but Hall Stafford of Stafford wasn't a Hall of Famer or – True. But he, but I'll tell you what, if he wins this one, he is. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Right? I mean, it's, and it's literally like, recipe. it's like a light switch, right? He literally yep. will be a, he's a Hall of Famer if he wins Automatic. this next game, right? I think most of the players that win Super Bowls, especially quarterbacks, running backs, or even the like Super Bowl MVP are eventually NFL Hall of Famers, you know, once and he's already there. a top 10 numbers guy, but like, yeah. and he, and I think, and I think he holds the record for most fourth quarter comebacks in the last decade, but yeah. nobody cares because it was with the Lions. That's right. See what I mean? It's, yeah, no, I, it's true. I, mean, I know. It's I, I, I'm laughing with you. I'm like, yes, I yeah. see what you mean because I know every fan that's either even Lions fans are like, yeah, they get fussed. You know, I, I my got best friend's a Lions fan. He's like, what, I'm, I'm rooting for Stafford. What do you want? Right. I got family that's that over in Detroit or Michigan, and the same thing. <laughs> like whatever. Hey, hey, we know we hey, know Gilbert too, so we we understand. How hey, that G, works. what do you what do you think about like? Oh, so OBJ goes over. And he like you know he goes over a classy yeah. move goes and hugs Debo Samuel. Are you like I'm sitting there? The first thing I thought of was like he probably whispered in his ear. He's like, it's like, bro, I know I had Baker Mayfield, dude. I got it. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> like everybody who was you know like locker rooms divided. Like he's a bad oh. guy. He looks like OBJ looks like no one's come out smelling roses more than he has. Right? True. Everyone's saying he's a great teammate. He balls out. He's got incredible – everyone knew he had incredible talent, but he's made big plays. He's had a super productive year since he got over there. Yep. Right? And But, like, his – his when you have that situation, like, you kind of need to resurrect your career. Like, your career yep. needs a makeover. Like, whatever you want to call it. This dude is just looking so good right now. 
because yes. he was just like, just give me a quarterback who can throw me the ball. You know, he wasn't like trying to be a jerk about it. I like I think him and Baker were like trying to have vacations together, and, like be buddies and everything. And you know, everyone's gonna pick a side, and they sided with the quarterback, and he's just like, cool, man. Like I'll just Whatever. go to the Rams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was yeah, <laughs> very, very. I say very professional moment. I mean, because yeah. for the moments if he had from the catch to then. The, probably for me, the worst is when he went to the LSU bowl game, was handing out money to the players on the sideline. I'm like, come on, OBJ. So oh, he's from, made some mistakes. Yeah, yeah he's, he's made, made some, some mistakes. But now, right. I say now, yeah, doing that to Debo Samuels, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a uh, sportsmanship type thing. And to see him yeah. to his his road of travel where he's been in terms of teams and obviously situations, definitely a thumbs up on that. And uh, hopefully, you know, they could tap this thing off. It's going to be interesting. I mean, this could put some possibly – this was mentioned, I know, preseason that this could potentially be back-to-back seasons where the home team gets to the Super Bowl and wins. There's yeah. so now we're set up for that. And so yeah, it's just interesting how that how that all work out. So let's head on into your favorite neck of the woods. Yes. Mine's too, because I would go down there and chip block for y'all. Trench warfare, Mike. So where where are we at with this? Okay, so we talked about this a little before, but when you look at last Super Bowl with the Chiefs. They're a whole a whole line was hurt. We, I went yeah. to that Super Bowl game, and I'm like, Yeah, I remember. They're beat if up. the Chiefs win this game, everything I know about football no longer matters because there's no way you should be missing your two tackles, three of your five guys, and have a right. against against a good Tampa Bay front and and win that game. There's just no way. That means offensive line play doesn't matter. Correct. And so it proved that offensive line play still mattered. And I think over the course of this season, we've proven it a lot. With some of the with some of the key injuries and also some of the dominance in the trenches, offensive defensive line, mm-hmm. you, could, you could make that argument too in the playoffs yesterday. But Joe Burrow has almost completely shattered that notion for me. Like Chris Jones dominated their guards; and they were right dominated there. their. I think Quentin Spain yeah. is their right guard, right? He, I think he tweeted out something after the game, like, "What you going to say about our line now?" And I, I was, you know, you thinking like, "You can't do, yeah." For the first time ever. Your offensive line should be taking Joe Burrow to dinner. Well, correct. Like usually the quarterback takes the whole line to dinner, right? Yeah. You should be taking Joe Burrow to dinner. But that guy has completely changed the game because he's getting hit, he's getting pressured, he's getting sacked. Not only does he not give up the ball, but he but he evades. Like I don't know how many sacks they could have given up if he wasn't so. I mean, he's sneaky athletic. He's sneaky. Yesterday athletic, yeah. he's running for first downs. I mean, it, he's. It was just incredible that he was that – Chris Jones was that dominant. Melvin Ingram had a great game, right? right. But they, yeah. they had one sack, and all the pressures, all the other stuff that you're like, all right, that should be a pick, that should be a fumble, that should be a tackle for loss. Right. It's just this guy made it not happen. Like he was, he was just amazing yesterday, man. Yeah, he did a good job. So when those pressures would happen, he was able to get out of it. He would just throw it out of bounds, or he'd complete the pass, or he'd throw it to the ground. Like he was doing making those decisions that – experienced quarterback more than his years, you know, 10, 15 years in the league would say, okay, just throw it out of bounds, live to the next down. You know what? Get it out of bounds or throw it to the feet of the receivers. I can't throw it to the guys. Double coverage. He was doing those things with the pressure because that's what I was talking about pressure earlier where that pressure makes that quarterback, regardless of how good they are, as we saw on Pat Mahomes, that pressure was making him do unordinary, unabnormal things with the ball that he knew after the throw right away he didn't know. He shouldn't have thrown that ball. Yeah, and I want I want to give a a, a shout out, dude. I love uh, Melvin Ingram. Like I've loved I've loved watching him since he was w- with the Chargers. With the Chargers, and, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and he, you know, went over to Pittsburgh and things a couple games didn't work out. But man, he's been yeah. such a force for that defense. He made all the difference in the world when they got to move Chris Jones back inside because he's a dominant player on the left defensive end at the left defensive end position. And I just thought, you know, he he had a great game yesterday too. It's just he did. This, guy, this Joe Burrow kid's unbelievable. When you flip the ball to the other side now, we talked about how good Joe Burrow was, and now you talk about what happened to, to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Hendrickson was beating the brakes off of Orlando uh, Brown Jr. from the jump, free rushes, yep, beating him, open that. hits, and and Mahomes is just getting rid of the ball. And again, they tightened up and they got to Mahomes. Hubbard got to him a couple times, and it it really played. It made the difference in the game. If you look at you know, what, if you really look at what happened to the Chiefs in the second half, it was all those times where they got beat on one v one pass pro. Now mm-hmm. Mahomes felt the pressure. He was doing his little – he was twirling in the backfield. Yeah, he's getting lost. His eyes are going to the rush instead of the, instead of downfield. Exactly. Like they really made the difference in that game. And if you're going to point to one thing of like why did they score three points in the second half in overtime, see, because those those two guys, but that group in particular, they were hitting home and they were really frustrating that, that you know, potentially Hall of Fame quarterback, that MVP quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And like – as you said, as you were talking, and I was just thinking back to one game in particular where I remember at halftime, it was the game where Brett's dad passed and we played the Raiders on Monday Night Football. And I remember mm-hmm. at halftime, you know, we we're going over game plan adjustments. Da, 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 da. And I remember I think it was you or Marco or both of you said the same thing. I definitely it was you. It was like, A.G., we're getting our ass kicked out here. I don't know how you're picking up yardage right now. And I think that's where Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes in certain situations are because we like, okay, we know where the, where the, the weakness or where they get, we're getting penetrated from. We're going to just, I'm going to just work off of that. When I see somebody co- show color of a different color Jersey, then I'll just go the other way. You know, you make those judgments as a player and it's all about, you know, not that they knowing that if they communicated or not, but for sure we did. So when you let me know that I was like, all right, I'll just, when I see what how, I see, I'm going to make, how dare, how dare you suggest I would admit I was getting my ass kicked. Again. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> How could how could you do that? How could, <laughs> hey, I've got my ass right, in the game. Uh, no, you're you're, you're right. You're right, man. And and some of those a lot of that was coverage sacks, right? Yeah. But what you know how this goes, man. We better at quarterbacks. When you get hit a couple times, you get pressure, it goes from like, okay, first read second, oh, was that guy coming at me? And there was a couple where he didn't have to take off and he did, just yes. it was uncharacteristic. And so that's why I say you know they really affected that game. You know, and you and then you look at like the you look at the Rams and you look at at, at the at the dominance of an Aaron Donald and they're mm-hmm. talking about oh he hasn't had sacks he hasn't done this. They dominated that defensive line, dominated the line of scrimmage in the run game. They held San Francisco to a pedestrian run game. Which really? listen, if you're if you're the Rams D coordinator, oh, right? Hold on, that hold on, is okay. that's your number one goal. Yeah. Can can we make that run game pedestrian and force the ball to be thrown in order for us to lose this game? Right? Oh, we're gonna hold lose. On. Hold on. We're not, no. yep. What's that? What's playing? Mm-hmm. What you want? Let me right. finish here and I'll be I'll come help you, okay? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Where's your water at? Go get your bottle. Go get your water. There you go. All right. Sorry about that, buddy. No, no problem. Yeah. But I, I I'm just saying I think that. From a game plan standpoint, you know, they understood that the 49ers are going to live and die with their offensive line and running game, right? Yeah. The short passing game is simply getting Debo with the ball in the slot and whatnot. No, exactly. And 
it, and it, it just goes to show, like, you can affect the game. Like, we always talk about sacks, and they, they want to put statistics on TV. But you right. dominate the line of scrimmage. More often than not, you're going to find a level of success in this league. And, and it's just always good, again, you know, as you and I, as, as, as linemen and, and running backs, guys who play in the box, we like that the game boils down to that more often than not. It is. I mean, I learned that probably in Little League. <laughs> I was like, man, if we got an offensive line that could do this and we got our D lineman that could do that, then you're most you're gonna have a good uh chance to win every game you get you're out there playing and you got guys that actually want to get it done, basically get nasty and dirty here in the trenches. So um it was another kid in the uh, Rams defensive line, along with Donald uh from Alabama. I can't think of his name right now, but he was a problem getting in there early in the game, you know, roughing up Garofalo a little bit, but getting that, mm-hmm. those pressures and then slowing down the run game. I can't think of his name. Um, I think it was uh, – I worry, don't worry about it. But, uh, but like I said, D-linemen along with the one, you know, Aaron Donald, as like, everybody expected to, but also you got other people jump, coming to the party, doing their job, you know, beating up the San Francisco off- offensive line there. So I love, I, I love both those. Like the Rams offensive lines in, during the playoffs has played pretty well too. Yeah, you know, they they were kind of a they they gave up they gave up the bag a couple times in in the regular season had some bad games looked very very human, but mm-hmm. uh, you know they, you're going up against a, a team that where well, they're going to take the fight to you and obviously with the demeanor of their defense and their defensive line led by Aaron Donald, I think they've stepped up in these playoffs in general and just really been able to give Matthew Stafford the time and, and the space in order to make these plays and all right, let's head into get off my lawn get off my lawn. Update of, of shenanigans and shugulery, people doing things in the world that we like. What in the world is going on? So what you got, Mike? Okay, so I'm just going to start with again for the third time this damn thing, and we'll make it quick. But the the Bengals are defying logic completely. Like I just can't fathom that a guy gets sacked that many times, the pressure that many times, and they're and they're in the Super Bowl now. Like just you, blue. Why even have offensive linemen if you're going to do that? You know what I mean? Right. Or, or, or maybe why even why ever draft a guy again, dude? Like, I think they drafted a guy in the first round last year. It's like, or yeah, last year. Yeah. It's like, did you even need to? What was the point? You're giving up 62 sacks, and guys, this guy's this guy's like Neo, man. This guy's matrix. But what, was what I really wanted to talk about when we're talking about Joe Burrow, AG? Yeah. Is I wanted to talk about Bo, Joe Burrow's fit. Okay. <laughs> I saw this all here. You saw it, right? Yeah. This dude looks like he should be singing a Dick in the Box video <laughs> with Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake. A favorite, one of my favorite videos, by the way. That oh, no question. Video. With with the chain, the jack, the the glasses, like the rose colored yes. glasses. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, it was that was to me that was all time. Is when he rolled yeah. in the day of the game yeah. in that swag, bro. Hey, that little I, bit you, of you almost like. I want to change all my bets. Like, oh, if he's willing to wear that, he's there down. ain't no way he's losing this game. Right. He got some confidence. It's like a little bit of his Louisiana teammates rubbed off of him for sure. Cause he's from Iowa originally. He's from Ames, Iowa. That's where he was born. So really? definitely, yeah. I looked it up. Um, so his little his uh his his time in New Orleans, uh, Baton Rouge area, definitely his rubbed his teammates rubbed off on there, on him there. <laughs> That was honestly, I, I see you see something. You're like, where have I seen that before? And then that's what it I was. Thought, yeah, dude. I was like, that's oh, it's, it was. it's a damn. It was a Lonely, Lonely Island Boys or whatever they're called. Yep, elite, yep. Correct name, Lonely Island Boys. Oh my god, that was funny. All right, this next one. What's all this one about now? We, we, let's got yeah, we talked about this before a little bit, but you know, when you're watching these games, and we always like Americans need statistics. 
So I'll, you yeah. know, we make up stuff. We have Amazon Web Services, Advanced Stats, Stat Dad, Stat Soccer teams, like Americans didn't care about soccer until they started putting in like statistics that literally nobody, no other country in the world cares about. Like no. completion percentage over you know twenty yards of you know twenty yard passes like <clears throat> nobody cares we just they make top speed on the field you know they used to be like they used to be like this be like hey, that guy over there's pretty fast and now we're like oh no no he runs twenty two point three miles per hour he's really fast like like so we care right I think it's a job thing give people jobs oh yeah that's, that's exactly thing. you're absolutely right but so we're we're at the game yesterday and again we're talking about sacks and if I think this year. If we've proven anything, man, it's like talk about pressures. Talk about who's winning the line of scrimmage, right? Right. But, but we, we, we don't know quite how to do that yet because there's, you know, what is a, what constitutes a real pressure. So they keep talking about these stats when guys like, you know, Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the game still until he mm-hmm. retires, right? Probably brought Kobe. Right. Yeah. I don't care who wins the defensive player of the year. Or <clears throat> like he's, there's nobody better than he is. Yeah, he's a grown so, man. Yeah, when we talk about this stuff and you talk about the effect he has on the game plan, like it's so much more. It's like you almost feel like like stop boxing the guy in by like his sack total for the last couple of games. Like, give me a break, man. I'm just I'm just not about that at all. Cause you know, we we're on the other side of that, like Yeah. Oh uh, man, that guy just beat me for 10 pressures. <laughs> right. That doesn't right. feel any better. No, that's just as bad. I think it's people that don't quite understand the game on our level. You know, same with when you. I went when I. I'm not a big stat guy, or I'll say I'm not a stat guy, but knowing the same information listen to a basketball game. And I've been. I went to a basketball. I went to a bus game with a friend of mine who is a basketball head, like he's a gym rat. And so to him, seeing Giannis do certain things, he was like, "Oh, that's nothing," you know. But it's the the big stuff that makes it the Sports Center, you know, yeah. makes it the highlight. But he's like, "No," nah. he said, "If we if you just double, you know, double double him." You know, every time it comes down and then puts the guy over top and two underneath, you shut that down. That's the talking about the Euro step that he does going to the hoop. Mm-hmm. So that's stuff when you know the game. Oh, yeah, we could. That's, that's an easy shutdown. It's the, and it's just, you know, the people that wants to make the the bigger things seem bigger than what they are. It's like, come on. Nah, we know better than that. Can't can't. That ain't nothing to the game. That helps out. You know, there's this, there's, there's this like there's this merge of athletes like at, like sports don't work without media. Right. And, you know, one of, I think one thing that all athletes at some level are advocates for are like, I wish we could all curate our own content because then we can control the narrative. Yep. But the truth is most athletes want to just be good at their sport. And, they, you know, the, and, and the media part of it is necessary to promote their brand, to get more. You know, I mean, it's everything like the machine doesn't work without all pieces involved. Right. And, and sometimes I think. What gets what gets, is is interesting, and I know that we felt this in Green Bay a lot. I remember very specifically, like one time we were talking. There was there was a guy up there who turned out to be an advocate for us all at, at the end. But he would write articles, and you just like you'd be like, I finally went up to him, like, dude, contextually, what you're saying makes no sense. Like you're just wrong. Like right. if we play bad, we'll tell you we play bad, and we'll tell you why. But you got to ask. You can't right. just go out and like watch the game as a fan. And then write something in a national paper where it makes, makes us look bad. Well, you're just wrong. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's like that education level, which obviously has gotten better and better and better. And there's like amazing journalists out there. But the, I think the thing that is frustrating from a statistics standpoint is now we can throw out stats that have no contextual awareness whatsoever. 
And now they use these stats to put like to pass judgment on guys, and we'll be sitting there watching the game, like, well, that doesn't matter at all. What are you talking right. about? But exactly. it's still, but that's the narrative, and that's how that's how we control the narrative. I think in the media, it, it's just it, it it's one of those things that's never going to be a perfect fit, right? But yep. it's sometimes it's frustrating. Yep. No, you're right about that. So we'll move on to this next. Uh, get off my lawn. What you got here, Mike? <clears throat> yeah, just listen. Like I think twice as both both games we dropped double digit leads. In the, in the yeah. championship game, like what do we do? How do you drop a double digit lead in the championship game? Not once. This has been the best three weeks of football I think I've ever watched. Is that yeah. fair? It's been pretty good. Yes. Yeah. But this, it's been amazing, and every game's come down to the last minute. It's it's just it's been an amazing uh, three weekends of football. I, I hope the Super Bowl is, is is great as well. I don't know if we're going to be able to top the last three weeks though. When you think about the Chiefs Bills game, you think about both championship games yeah. overcoming double digit leads, coming down to the last play. But, God, I mean, when you think about dropping a double-digit lead, when you think about – if you're proud, you think about dropping that that Stafford gimme, right, and icing the game. Right. When you think about the Packers coming up short after that, that fourth and short and we stop them on defense and we take the ball over four and a half minutes to go and we still lose the game. Like, you start mm-hmm. thinking about all the opportunities, man. It's like – Yeah, I mean, I look at it – right? Right, it's insane. I look at it like when you give up that type of lead, I'm like, am I watching pro football? Is these the DBs? These are Pro Bowl DBs, Pro Bowl D linemen. I'm like, yeah. it's just for one series, it seems like they just are not there or they don't know what's coming at them. It's like, I'm watching an NFL game, but it just seems like they're giving up these passes, these completions, or the first down or the touchdown just a little bit too easy when the whole game they didn't shut them down or they was able to adjust to what they were doing off, you know, defensively. It was just interesting. So it just the teams somehow just go into maybe, I don't know, it's maybe complacent, say, okay, we got them. You know, we stopped them the last drive. Let's do it again. But then, boom, they go right down the field, either a one-play shot play or this is a nice steady drive and gets the ball in field goal range or score a touchdown. So it's just interesting. Uh, I'm like, this is, this, is, this is pro ball. It's just – that's why you got to play the game. That's why I say everybody play the games all out. Play it. To does play it does it remind you at all of our fourth and twenty six? And that's why it's oh for sure. That's, that's <laughs> I think like when it comes down to it, I still have all the time. I still have feelings about that, you know. Yeah, I'm just yeah. I, I got over yeah. this feelings that whole mindset or not mindset, just that whole uh, video of that going on. That's that's been out of my brain for a long time, so I can yeah. live life. <laughs> so I can live life and be and be and be normal. No, I said, it's not like I hide in the corner or anything, but like when it comes up, when I see it on TV, I'm like, "Oh, I know." I went to hey, let's let's hit these hirings, man. What you think? Man, these hirings are uh, let's to 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 say to least to say interesting so far. Um, McDaniel's is a Raiders coach, yeah, which is very interesting. Um, all of it's interesting and. Nathaniel Hackett, Hackett, my former neighbor, he was right across the street from me, and now he's a Denver head coach. Um, and it, it's just all in the same. It's just interesting because when I see even the hire from the Buffalo's Bill OC to the Giants, yeah. now he's the Giants head coach. I'm like, okay, I know as a, as a player, and you might feel the same, going from an OC, DC to a head coach, that's not an easy jump. But, but I guess – a lot of coaches want to do that because obviously it's a, I mean, obviously it's a pay upgrade. And then now you have a little bit more control of the facility of what you're doing as a coach, who you're bringing in, 
what your scheme is. If you're a defensive minor coach, you're, you're going to be really good and keen and looking for certain defensive players to fit your scheme. Same with the offensive coordinator um, that becomes a head coach. Then, okay, we do this. I need this type of receiver. I need this type of lineman. I need this type of running back tight end. Um, but to me, it just still looks on. I know they called plays. They were a good play caller. But what? how is that going to really convert over to being a head coach in terms of hiring? And so that's my question. Only one I know out of this bunch right now, because he's done it once before, is Josh McDaniels out of Patriots. He went to Denver. He did good. Now, but now he had an experience as it. No, he well, he Denver was tough. That was a. Uh, it wasn't good. I was just looking at the time spent there. Oh, now I he understands. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just his time spent is now a, a notch in his belt to say, okay, at least I did this. Now I know what I did wrong or right in yeah. that situation there going in. Yeah, the thing that's the thing that's tough is, and this is. They're learning on the job, right? And so right. everyone's ambition is to become a head coach. And what's what I always think is the is the craziest thing if you really think about the National Football League. You have these billion dollar companies. You have these multi billionaires running the companies, basically. And there really is no job leadership training. Like the Zero. what's the progress? What is the progression for a successful coach? Okay, you learn how to run your room, right? Whether you're you know quarterback coach, offensive line, whatever it is, right? Running yep. back coach. You learn how to run your room. Your team has success, or yep. your position in the team has success. You get promoted. You maybe you run, maybe you run a slightly bigger room, and like with the, the OCDC, with the OCDC, or, yes, you do. Or, or you go or right to a special teams coordinator, yeah, or special teams coordinator. Sorry, but 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 then you go, you become this head coach, and all of a sudden, like every time you go up the ladder, you actually coach less, and you're more of a CEO. That's it, yeah. right? And you're not being taught how to instill like for example or for organizational culture in your or, you know in, nope. in your program like you don't have those tools necessarily and i think that's why a lot of guys really struggle early on and you know, we we were talking about it before, before we yeah you think about all the guys who have come from hall of fame quarterbacks in the last 15 years that their first job how does it gone josh mcdaniels didn't really go well with denver yeah um we can talk about some first. guys. We, we can talk about McAdoo. We can talk McAdoo. about Joe. He was here. Guys, guys in Green Bay didn't really do very well, right? Nope. Adam Gase didn't do very well. Um, I, the list goes on and on and on. There's only a hint. Andy Reid did really well, right? Yes, Bruce Arians, and he was a little bit older, but he did really well. But you kind of have to go back to see guys who had Hall of Fame quarterbacks that transitioned into a head coach position and dominated, even though – Ownership, presidents, they keep looking at these same guys as like this is this is the way to do it. Whereas we were talking about, you know, Sean McVay, he doesn't have or Zach Taylor, all you know, mm -hmm. these that generation, that little group of that coaching tree, they're not necessarily coming. They had Goff or they had, you know, they, they had some other guys that weren't Hall of Fame caliber. Yeah. And it was me, I would kind of look at like defensive guys or quarter or coaches that had average run-of-the-mill quarterbacks that had a little bit of success because i think in today's day and age mm -hmm. that is from an organizational standpoint like you have to have more of your stuff right because you don't have that guy to, to mask all your problems at quarterback right. you have to have more of your stuff right in that organization to be successful does that make sense yeah that makes sense you know you got to have that uh the player develop development you got to have those leadership skills and two of those guys you mentioned uh, Bruce Aarons and Andy Reid, they had that development of pl that player development in them. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you, I think, did you have one year with Andy? 
or yep. was he already gone? Okay, you had one mm -hmm. year, and everybody that I played with that was a Packer, that is a Packer, and was a Packer, that spoke of Andy Reid as an assistant, said, "Oh, they loved him because he, I think he was a guy." And I met him once. I, you know, thank you, thanks to you and all the guys up front that blocked along your side, left and right of you, got me to the Pro Bowl. And so when I met Andy Reid at the Pro Bowl, my first Pro Bowl, and he was there four years in a row because he was getting Philadelphia obviously to the game and then losing. He was the coaching staff. His coaching staff, the Philly staff, was the head coaching staff for the Pro Bowl team. And meeting him for the first time, I said, oh, yeah, I get it. I would have played for him right away. I was like, he came in the meeting room, even though it's Pro Bowl, it's already laid back. Season's over for everybody. It's just he's like, look, guys, this is what we're going to do. Um, you can wear flip flops out there. And I kind of heard that was kind of the joke thing, like because it's just literally a jogging pace practice. But I could just sense how, OK, during I just put my head in regular season mode, like, okay, if I heard him and he's breaking down, some of the stuff did get a little serious when we start breaking down our run game, our th red zone, and then um, third and long stuff. I could hear him getting into seriousness, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I could have played with him. I could have played for him as a head coach. I could see why Dorsey loved him. Because Dorsey, every time we talk about uh, the second Super Bowl when the Packers played the Broncos, and he was like, man, Andy was trying to keep uh, Mike from running, the, you know, to run the game, run the ball. And he wouldn't, he wanted to put it in Brett's hand. Nothing, you know, it was more of a, in a decision, um, dis disagreement maybe among coaches, but that was something as a player to coach. Andy wanted to keep the ball rolling because he saw what needed to be done in terms of the run game, how it would have helped the Packers win against the Broncos in that game. So I always felt, he, he always brings that up. So when, like I said, once I met him, so those, you got to have those player development things where you see things in players, if it's from an athletic standpoint, from a mental, and you got to address them to help them through that process as a young player, then you could get them to do what you do. Then as a head coach, it makes your job a little easier. When you got to really dig in on a player, it's like, all right, hey, 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 you messing up over here. What's the problem? Is something going on? Let's talk about it. You need help. What is it? So when you have a guy like Bruce, and then Bruce Aarons, I heard the same thing. He'll dig in. He's like, I don't care who I'm coaching. I remember he made a right. comment. He's like, I don't care if it's Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady. I'm yelling at them all. When they mess up, I'm like, what the F, you know, what the F you doing? Why are you throwing that ball when you know it's double covered? You know, it's cover two or it's man on press. What you, what's your problem? He gets on the same person. doesn't matter their status. He's like, and that's what you got to do as a one of the coaches. So I think some of these coaches that go into these head coaching jobs don't have that factor of, of wearing the head coaching hat, knowing that, okay, I just manage these players, but I got to really understand these players too. If I'm going to correct them when they making mistakes, making mistakes, because these are the one percenters and some of these one percenters don't take likely to people that don't know them very well when they're trying to correct them. And you and I both know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like you got a coach that's going to dig in on you. It's like and if you didn't establish that first respect level and then you have an understanding level, then when somebody digs into you, then you be like, yeah, coach, I got you. Yep, you should be cussing me out right now. I made a mistake. You know what? I'm No problem. I'm going to fix it and move on. So that's where I think some of these head coaches get in a uh, stuck in the mud went the, the the player development side of it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not saying for a second that guys like, um, you know, like our, our guys in Green Bay don't deserve these jobs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just right. saying it's, no. I think it's, I think it's difficult because they, you almost have to, as a, you know, I, I've said this before, man, if, if they were putting the coaching interviews on pay-per-view, I would spend an embarrassing amount of money to watch them. Oh, me too. I'm just so, I'm 100%. just so curious. Yeah, I'm just so curious. Like, what are you what could they possibly be saying in these interviews that said like a, that differentiate everybody else's? I've been in my, I've been in a ton of interviews in my life on, on both sides of the table, and you just start going, 
what is what is the thing that is so impressive? I think just with the last place I was at with in Miami, you could tell that the owner wanted like he already knew he was going to hire when, before they made hires. Yeah, you know so that really too did, going into the interview. Yeah, so you just kind of like you're like, all right, well, he didn't have to really say anything. He just had to show up, right? He had to have a heartbeat. But I'd be really curious because there has to be, like to your point, there has to be this natural curiosity about people when you want to be a head coach, right? It can't just mm-hmm. be all about um, I'm going to create, you know, there's always like catchwords like, hey, we're going to have a smart, tough, disciplined football team. Coach say. Like, dude, that's, that's coach speak. Coach yeah, speak. It's like, yeah, we're going to have like loyalty and brotherhood. It's like, dude, those are all just words unless you put them into action. Do you know how to do that? Like, are you a leader? Because there's a ton of guys who know scheme. There's a ton yeah. of guys who know how to game plan. Are you a leader? And how do you and how are these how are these presidents and owners understanding which one of these guys are leaders? Because you and I have both been in situations where they flat out hired people who were not leaders. No. They were smart, but they weren't leaders. And it's it's still amazing to me. There's 32 jobs. It's one of the best jobs in the country, right? There's mm-hmm. only 32 of them. How do we continue? To you know, to make these like, well, it'll be interesting to see how these all play out, right? But yeah. some of these guys are going to fail, and some are going to fail because of the situation around them, and some of them are going to fail because they're not leaders. It'll be, it's just always, it's part of the drama. That's why we love the NFL. Yeah, yeah, and, and I want success to all. Um, right. But as I know, as a player, I learned this my first year that some of the coaches, even from the heads to the assistants, and then OCs and the DCs are missing things not saying they got to be perfect but i just realized it realized my rookie year in seattle i was just like i think my coaching staff in nebraska was a little bit better than this coaching staff in seattle <laughs> a little bit better because of the what i was mentioning earlier with coach osborne he had that he could get in our heads to get us motivated to play not only for him but play for all, all the guys that was in that locker room and mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, the accountability part. I think that's the biggest thing. Once you put that accountability to a player and get that understanding of what that actually means, that means doing your job, not making excuses when you don't do your job. And when you don't do your job, you don't point the finger. The only finger you pointed at is yourself, and you correct it yourself. That's when you have the room. Like you said, when you have a coach that owns the room and knows his players, when you do that, when you have players that are, you know what, the coach don't even have to say nothing. We're going to just look at each other and be like, all right, we, we've got to fix this. This ain't about us. I mean, this ain't about the coaches. This is about us playing and executing a certain way. And that's what – when I've been on good teams, that's what it looks like. You know, I've been – we've been in that locker room. We were on that locker We were in that locker room together. So, for – that's one. You know, when I was at Nebraska, that was another locker room where we look – the coaches didn't have to really get on us. We got on each other. Like, we knew we could do better than this. Let's Larry, right. Yeah. So, when you have a no, coach – you have a coach that could well, do that. To your point, Andy, yeah. Andy Reid, bro, Andy Reid yesterday yeah. was like the the last play before the half. He goes, "That's on me. That's it. We got to yeah. we got to we got to make a better play call. Let's just move on." And That's I love when, exactly. I love when coaches do that. I know I've heard Lafleur do it a few times this year and yeah. his last three years. When a coach puts it on him, that's that, that's the coach I want to play for. You know, in in the first when that's to see a flag, right? Yeah, public. Yeah, flag. When you see red and green, you know, you say red flag. You see a red flag. Oh my God, run the other way. So that's a that's actually a white flag or a green flag. That's a good flag. When you see a coach sit on the podium, press conference, mics in your face. You got reporters asking questions, and they say, you know what? This is on me. Don't 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 belittle my players. Don't talk about what so and so did wrong or right. This is on me. 
this is on my coaching staff. We made some plays. We made some calls that we we thought we were going to make them or that we thought the plays were going to work, and they didn't. So that's what we were taking. I see Mike Tomlin, him do the same thing over his tenure in Pittsburgh. And that's why that's why Pittsburgh has had the success, even when they've had injuries, even when they had um, the stuff with Antonio and A.B. And then I mean, A.B. and Ben. And then um, before that, uh, it was uh, uh, the running back. I can't think of his name right now. I've played at Michigan State, but uh, Le'Veon Bell. When his issues were going on with contractual wise, that team was still playing high in football yeah. because the players was like, okay, yeah, we get what's going on. Okay, Le'Veon, that's your business. Ben AB, that's your business, but we got to still play football. We got to work through all that, go out here and play high quality Pittsburgh Steeler football. When I see that team over the years since he's been there, even before there, how Kyle Cower, Bill Cower was there, same type of football, high end football. That's when you got players that are there for the right reasons and understand what they're doing with their coaching staff and, and vice versa. The coaching staff is know what they're doing and with the right players in mind, pretty much. Not, not a coincidence there. Uh, defensive led teams too, man. Like, yeah, but we're offensive guys, man. <laughs> not a coincidence at all. Dude. Not a coincidence <laughs> at all. Right. I guess. Yeah. They, it, it's a little bit more egos on offense side of ball. I definitely yeah. admit that we know where that lies among us, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting. Like I said, for, I mean, the new, I say what's what's interesting to me also is the new tree of, co- of coaches. So the uh, Shanahan, Lafleur, uh, Kingsbury, McVay, all under are all under McVay. So it's just interesting to see that tree because I remember by the time I got to the league and knowing um, Bill Walsh's tree that you know where Mike Holmgren came from, and then uh, Dick Duran, um, Mike Sherman, just a another Niner, Andy Reid, you know Gruden, just to see that tree. It's just interesting now to see the new trees that are basically growing from different play styles of offenses. It's mostly offensive-driven, off you know, coaches that then are putting together these offenses that have, you know, these double tight end sets that you will think run, but you could actually get sliced up with a pass game from this double tight end. And you got because you they they're looking for tight ends like a Kettle, like a Higby that could get open, that know how to run routes, that know how to basically stretch a defense, and then. Like you say, like you love why you love Kettle. He likes to block. He will get in there. He'll get grimy and do that dirty work. So they are understanding the pieces in the puzzle. Because I, I remember as a high school coach running running into another high school coach from the state of Arizona. He gave me what they run in terms of the pistol and what the pistol brings to an offense. And it's like basically you play in musical chairs with certain positions, the tight end position. And and now what I'm seeing with Kyle Shanahan, he's taking to another level. He's taking old lineman. Like he did with Trent Williams, he he tried to he motioned big trip across the line of scrimmage like a tight end. Which I know for old linemen, I know if you got a catch to motion across the line of scrimmage, you'd be like, "Oh man, I feel I'm about to make something happen." But you're coming down there, you're just giving a different look to that defense. Yeah, and I think all these coaches from McVay understand that now. You know what? We're going to give a defense a different look, and then they're going to get confused when they see Debo split in a tight end set instead of in a wide receiver or in the backfield, they're like, hold up, what's what's about to happen? And obviously they don't know, and that's the problem. I think that's something that every coach tries to obviously do offensively because they know defensive coaches that understand and players that understand and watch film, they could dissect you know, dissect the play real quick before the ball snap. Oh, yeah, screen, screen, going to the left. You know, they're calling the plays out. So that's where these just the new tree of players, player uh, coaches are now getting these plays together and understanding we got to do this to throw the defense off one or two times. Yeah, it's 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 been fun to watch. You shouldn't have, like I remember. I don't like I don't know when Bill Walsh 
like his tree stops and then Mike Holgren's tree starts, you know, as, as far as like all the people are there in that Green Bay Packers building. Yep. Or we call that the Brett Favre tree, right? Like it's right. like, how do you, how do you want to look at it? Right. And, um, and all this stuff is great. And it's, it's great drama. It's again, it's why we watch, man. It's, it's it, the reality TV aspect of, of football is I don't think there's anything better on, on air for my money, but right. Shoot, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. I think I know they got a pro bowl going on this year, this week. Yep. Nobody cares. But um, let's let's come yeah. back let's come back next week and, and we'll preview the Super Bowl. We'll take a little we'll, we'll dive into both sides. No, let's definitely do that. Maybe take a little clip of the the skills challenge. Of front of oh yeah, so if only if they're playing dodgeball, bro. <laughs> yeah, I think they are. I think they do yeah. play dodgeball. Jesus, they, but so, the, it's so. in Vegas this year. They should have a they should have a poker game. Let's. I mean, should, you want to really have there fun? There you with. go. There you go. Oh man. So yeah, we'll preview the the Super Bowl and then maybe we'll see if it looks interesting. We'll talk about the skills challenge or even the Pro Bowl because we already know what type of show that is now these days where they barely yeah. tackle each other. So anyway. Because that would be a get off on that's gonna be my get off my lawn next week, that's for sure. Um, but uh coming back back at you, like I said, Mike already said it. We're gonna preview the Super Bowl for the following week, and then obviously talk about the matchups that will be going on in that in that game, which is gonna be interesting. Um, you got a young team in the Bengals, and then you got a, a, an experienced team in the Rams. So see you guys next week. And so when you can. Download this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast over micro, Spotify, Pandora, all the fun players, uh, all the fun places. Rate us, review us, give us feedback to make us better um, with that. And so we have a Twitter. It's on my block. So it's on O-N underscore my uh, underscore block. That's on Twitter. And then my Twitter is AG, is Amon Green 30, all one word on Twitter, Instagram. And Mike, let everybody know where they, they can follow you on social media. Yeah, Michael 68 on Twitter, process to perform on Instagram. AG, a pleasure as always, my man. Always, always having a great time, man. Thank you very much. And everyone, I'll see y'all next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.